Um, we've got a few readings today, so bear with us. A couple of them are quite short. Um, the first one today is from the book of James, and we'll be reading verses 1 to 3. They should all be up there. Um, it's the book of James, and starting at chapter 3, and that's actually called Taming the Tongue. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is, perfect, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So far the reading. Our next reading today comes from the Gospel of John, um, that's chapter 8, and we'll be reading from verses 31 all the way through to verse 47. The truth will set you free. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offsprings of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your fa that you are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you don't, do not hear them is that you are not of God. Our third reading today is actually um, Lord's Day 43 from the Heidelberg Catechism. It's question and answer 12. And the question is, what is God's will for you in the ninth commandment? 
God's will is that I never give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, nor gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone without a hearing or without a just cause. Rather, in court and everywhere else, I should avoid lying and deceit of every kind. These are, device, are devices the devil himself uses, and they will call down on me God's intense anger. I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it, and I should do what I can to guard and advance my neighbour's good name. And of course, the, well not of course, but the text for the sermon today, going back to the Ten Commandments which we read earlier today, is the Ninth Commandment, which is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, I wonder if you can tell me one of the first things that a doctor often tells you to do when you visit because you're sick. Something that at other times would really be not that polite. What do you think he tells you to do? Boys, girls? What happens when you go to the doctor's surgery? Got a sore throat? What does he get you to do? Eat cement. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. No. Oh, he does these days. No. Uh, stick out your tongue. Put a paddle on your tongue. What would, what would happen if you did that in the street to somebody? I'll just caveat right there. Having a cup of cement doesn't really cure things. Yes, he tells you to poke out your tongue. Why? Well, because it tells him something about your health. Sometimes he may not even have to look much further than your tongue. That tongue of yours can tell a doctor something about your health. But our tongue can tell us a lot more than whether we are physically healthy or not. We can tell whether things are right between God and us, and whether things are right between us and other people. Of course, we can't just tell that by looking at someone's mouth. But people can tell that by the way you use that tongue of yours. Our words, the things we say, can tell us a great deal about our spiritual health. So the first part of this sermon, which I'm privileged to read from John Westendorp, um, is called The Destructive Tongue and My Neighbour. In fact, God considers the tongue so important that even, he even gave us one special commandment about it. About it. One out of the Ten Commandments is devoted just to the tongue. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. In the wider sense, this has implications for all the sins of the tongue. It deals with little white lies and that get us into trouble. Don't bear fault with don't 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 fair bear false witness. And it deals with the exaggerations that parents are guilty of when they want themselves to be seen as more important to other people. Big lies and little lies, full untruths and half-truths, and they all make us guilty of breaking this commandment. There's an interesting little story in the book Beyond Doubt. A minister met up with two boys and a dog who were arguing in his neighbourhood. The boys were arguing very loudly 
the minister asked them in a fatherly way what the problem was. Well, said one of the boys, we found this dog. And now we're having a contest for him. Whichever us can tell the biggest lie gets to keep the dog. The minister was horrified. Boys, he said, that's not the way to do things. You must not lie. Why, when I was your age, I never told lies. There was a moment of silence. Then one of the boys shrugged and said, well, I guess the dog's yours. <laughs> Actually, lies and half-truths have become an accepted thing in society. Today, we could rightly apply this commandment to many situations. The half-truths that have become part of the political scene, the dishonesty that is so very common in advertising, where everyone's brand of soap powder washes the brightest, and the benefits of some brands of toothpaste make the mind boggle, and somehow even we as Christians swallow it hook, line, and sinker. However, we want to understand this commandment correctly, and that means looking at it in the context of the book of Exodus. God gave this commandment to his people Israel. He did that at a time when many sins were punishable by death. Capital punishment was a reality in Israel and it had God's approval. So we must keep in mind that this commandment is given in a situation where one man's testimony against another could ensure the person's execution. That is a very serious matter. Bearing false witness before a court, it could lead to the death penalty. That makes us realise that there is more at stake in this commandment than just the sins of the tongue, than just our lying and our deceiving. This commandment does not read, you shall not lie, but it reads, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. So it's fine to talk about the sins of the tongue, but this commandment is especially concerned with the results of those sins. It's all about the damage the tongue can do to your neighbour. The very life of our fellow man may be at stake. Today, we take this matter very seriously as well. We call it perjury, giving false witness in a court of law. Today, that is a crime that carries a hefty sentence, and rightly so, because it can lead to the condemnation of the innocent or to the acquittal of the guilty. In the Old Testament, there is a very clear example of perjury, an instance where we see the terrible effect of a false witness. On one occasion, King Ahab wanted to extend his gardens. Only trouble was, the land next door belonged to a guy called Nobath, and Nobath wasn't selling. He based his refusal on the law of Moses. Well, Jezebel, Ahab's evil wife, decided to take things into her own hands. She wouldn't see her husband stopped by an upstart like Nobath. And the law of Moses about land ownership? She didn't care about that. So they hired some fellows who would do anything for a price. Men who didn't get, care too much about the ninth commandment. They gave evidence before the elders that Nobath had cursed God, a crime for which the law of Moses had decreed the death penalty. Nobath died, an innocent man executed because of false witness. In the New Testament, we have an even greater example. Again, vested interest groups wanted to get rid of somebody. So they hired false witnesses, people who didn't care about God's law, and they accused that man of blaspheming God. Then they carried out the, the death sentence against him. And Jesus, the sinless son of God, was executed because of false witness. 
So this particular commandment is specifically aimed at perjury. It is a law to protect the life of our fellow man under the legal system. It guards the well-being of our neighbour. However, let's not for a moment think that the only way in which we can destroy our fellow man with our tongue is by false evidence in a court of law. The result of a lying tongue can be just as devastating outside the courtroom. False witness against my neighbour is also my slander of him. It is false witness when I pass on half-truth in gossip. That may not result in destroying a physical life, but it destroys his reputation, his good name. When I join in judging someone, condemning someone, without hearing their side of the story, without covering it with love, then I assassinate his character. I drag his reputation through the mud. I can really make life impossible for that person whom I slander. I can have devastating results that last for many years. That leaves emotional scars that a lifetime will not remove. Sometimes we are particularly guilty of this in the church. It is often especially so in close, a close-knit community that tongues begin to wag when they should have been silent. We here today have never, never been, we here today may never have been guilty of perjury. Most of us may never have even been inside a law court. But we've at times painted a pretty dark picture of a brother in our church or someone we know, or spread some juicy bit of gossip about a sister. God has given us this command as a call for us to watch our tongues, to be careful what words don't slip out that we can never retrieve. A man once went to a priest to confess his slander of another. The priest made him do penance by placing a goose feather on every doorstep in the village. He came back and asked whether there was anything else he could do. The priest told him to go around now and collect the feathers. But the wind had taken them all away. We don't accept the idea of penance. Jesus paid for our sins. Yet that story does show that it's lo- what it's like with words. What we say is carried away and spreads to others like wildfire. And the trouble is that we cannot take it back. It's done its damage. God says you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. The second part of this sermon is called The Devil's Tongue and the Honour of God. There is something even more important to remember about this command. It's not just our fellow man's reputation or even his life that's at stake. There is a lot more at stake in this commandment. It is also a commandment where we touch on the very glory of God. Our Father in Heaven's honour is involved in this commandment. And then I'm not even thinking about lying directly to God, like Ananias and Sapphira did. I want to draw your attention to this very important point. That whenever we lie, whenever we tell half-truths, whenever we bear false witness, we're playing right into the hands of Satan. Every lie and every falsehood puts us on his side. The Heidelberg Catechism reminds us that our, tongue, that, that, that our sins of the tongue are a sharing of his wicked works. We gossip and the devil smiles. We slander and Satan laughs. We spread a lie and he rubs his hands with glee. If you think that's far-fetched, then turn with me again to John 8. Verse 44, you are of your father the devil, 
and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. The, strip, the scriptures call Satan a liar. They're Jesus' words. And Jesus meant that the lie has its source in the evil one. We could even interpret the whole of history in these terms. History is a battle between the God of all truth and the lies of Satan. Ever since Eden, Satan has been spreading his lies. So the serious thing about our lies, whether that be little white lies or big black lies, is that they dishonour our Father in heaven because our lies put us on the side of Satan. Let me repeat, God's honour and glory are very much at stake in this commandment. Earlier I mentioned the destructive results of the sins of the tongue, that it can lead to the death of our fellow man. Isn't that just the whole aim of Satan? To destroy? We see the destructiveness of the lie already at the dawn of history. Satan said to Eve, Has God really said? Of course you won't die, you'll become like God. And man became an exile from paradise. Even worse, God's anger came upon this world. All of creation was plunged into ruin and decay. Man listened to devils, the devil's lying tongue and the world became a place where people preferred to believe the lie rather than the truth. Untruth and half-truth has now invaded every area of life. In advertising where the most exaggerated claims are made. In politics where promises are easily made and easily broken. In science, where evolution is now taught as fact and not a theory. Satan successfully continues to promote his lies in order to destroy. That has always been his goal, to destroy the work of God. And so God comes to us in the ninth commandment not only to warn us that falsehood can destroy our neighbour, but also to remind us that untruth is imitation of the father of all lies. Now, if that is true, that the lie is from Satan, and, it if, and if it is his way to destroy the works of, God's, of God, then we should especially be on guard as Christians, for it is especially the church of Jesus he seeks to destroy. I wonder whether there is anything else in the church that has caused as much damage from within the Christian community as the giving of false witness, whether that be by gossip, or slander, or unjust accusation. We need to pray with David the prayer of Psalm 141.3, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let us strive not to allow Satan to destroy us by the sins of the tongue. And finally, the last part of the sermon is called the redeemed and renewed tongue. Perhaps you are beginning to think this command leaves us with a very, gr very grim picture so many shortcomings. So often we fail and side with Satan. Well, it's true. It is a grim picture. And the, peep, and the Apostle James paints a grim picture too. Let's again read for what James says about it in verse 3, 6, 6 to 8. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of, 
or of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It's quite a grim picture. Strong language, isn't it? A fire, a restless evil full of deadly poison. We know that from experience and hear from the word of God, it confirms it. He asks, who can possibly tame the tongue? And he gives the answer, no one. The grim reality is this, that you and I cannot possibly control our, our tongues all the time. You cannot keep this commandment. You cannot keep from hasty words that destroy your fellow man. No man can tame the tongue. By nature, it, is always, it always sides with the father of lies. Except for one thing. There once walked on earth one who never broke this commandment. He called himself the truth, as well as the way of, the light, the way of life. True, he was executed as the result of false witness. But God ordained that his death be a penalty paid in my place and your place. He died also for what the wag he he died also for that wagging tongue of mine, for my sins of speech, for all my lies and half truths. God can now forgive me. The penalty has been paid also for my sin against this commandment. By the saving work of Jesus goes, but the saving work of Jesus goes further than just my forgiveness. If it was only that, it would be wonderful enough. But there is more. His work was also was also to make possible our renewal, to make us new creations. He does what no one else can do. He tames that tongue of ours. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we not only receive a new heart. We also receive a new tongue that is able to speak the truth and to speak that truth in love. It is as we are renewed by the Spirit of Christ that we can bring our tongues under, under the Lordship of Christ and use our tongues not only to promote our neighbour's reputation but also to honour and glorify God. True, as Christians we still fail our Lord time and again. That old self in us still wants to exaggerate and tell lies. But as we walk by faith and trust in Jesus, then the Spirit enables us to speak with a tongue that has been tamed by Jesus Christ. And because of him, we can also look forward to that new age when there will be no more need for the ninth commandment, because we will be there where no lies can ever enter in. In the ninth commandment, God is saying to us, Show me your tongue. I want to have a look at your spiritual health. Is your tongue one that revels in gossip, white lies and slander? Then you have better go to Lord Jesus, the only one who can tame the tongue. Is that tongue of yours already touched by his saving work? Then keep on striving every day to use it in the service of the truth, for your neighbour's well-being and for God's glory. Amen.